Hey Physionic, I've got a special episode today because it's uh, something that I've been thinking about for quite some time and I, through what little time I have, I figured out some, some space, some time wherein I could write an article on this particular question. This question is actually related to fat loss or when we lose weight and sex drive. So for some individuals, you have a divergent effect, meaning that for some people, when they lose weight or they lose body fat, that they gain more of a sex drive and for other people, they lose their sex drive. And I was curious because I, I couldn't actually explain the physiology of, of what was going on there. So I decided to dive into the literature. And some 30 studies later, I finally came to a few different clues that I eventually pieced together and figured out a bit of the physiology of why that might be the case. Not only the fact that fat loss does have an impact on sex drive, but that the effect is different for different people, that it kind of goes, it, it absolutely goes in opposite directions. So that's what I, I'd like to talk a little bit about. Hopefully you find it as informative as I did. So I'm, I'm not going to just paste the, um, the video content. Uh, I'd rather really just kind of sit here and, and talk about it a little bit. But I think one of the main issues that I have with individuals that talk about physiology or they talk in explanations for something, they, they ask maybe somebody, somebody goes to a professional and they ask them, uh, why is something the way that it is? And we'll take this as an example. Why does fat loss lead to, uh, let's say, I, de- I lose my sex drive, uh, I lose my libido? And the professional just says, oh, well, that's because you you drop your testosterone or you drop your estrogen, you know. And to me, that's 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 terrible. That's just that's a really terrible way of going about explaining things, because one, well, point blank, it doesn't explain anything. But secondly, it's it's a really simplistic way of looking at things and just seeing and just explaining things away with just one hormone is not sufficient, especially when it comes to this particular situation. So what actually happens? Well, we start to lose body fat. And there's, there's again, the big difference is that the starting point at which you're losing body fat, at least based off of the evidence that I've been able to pick up on. And certainly it's difficult to look into this because uh, there isn't a study that says, hey, are you losing body fat? This is what happens uh, to your libido. It, it, there's, there's no studies like that. So you have to actually read into the, the minutia of a bunch of different studies that are looking at a bunch of other things, and they just happen to touch on one of the, the aspects. Like losing weight, they may be looking at, I don't know, something like metabolism, but somehow they had some measures for testosterone in there as well. So then you were able to to glean some information off of that. So based off of these 29 or 30 or so studies that I looked at, it seems that 
the starting point is extremely important. So if you're overweight and you're trying to get leaner, your sex drive tends to increase. And that is because of a particular hormone. And that same hormone is implicated on the opposite end of the spectrum. So if you are an individual who is already relatively lean and they are getting leaner or you're muscular and you're pretty lean and you're getting leaner, then your sex drive decreases typically. I mean, of course, you're going to have variability. You're going to have some people that are that don't experience this at all. But for the average individual, that seems to be the case. Again, just parsing out material or parsing out information based off of a, a connecting a bunch of different studies together. So what happens to this hormone? So when we lose body fat, you may already know this, but your leptin levels, which is the hormone that I'm talking about, that those tend to decrease. And that leptin is a satiety hormone, but it, it does a bunch of different things as well. And it just so happens that it actually does something in this situation. So what leptin does is when it it is secreted from the adipocytes, the fat cells, is it binds an area of the brain called the hypothalamus. And we've already known about that already. But what the hypothalamus does is then it releases gonadotropin-stimulating hormone. Or I'm sorry, gonadotropin-releasing hormone. And that hormone then binds to another area of the brain, to a specific gland called the, the pituitary. And once it binds the pituitary, it allows the release of luteinizing hormone. And this is, this is all relatively well known in terms of, you know, the hormonal actions and whatnot. Um, my big qualm and my big issue is figuring out how this cascade eventually led to decreases in libido. So luteinizing hormone, which is a, a common uh, sex hormone or pre-sex hormone or associated sex hormone that then binds the gonads for men and women and uh, for, or the, binds the uh, sex organs for men and women. And then from there, you have the release of estrogen and testosterone. And now, interestingly, now this is, you see how much I had to explain just to get to the word testosterone or just to get to the, the word of estrogen. So if somebody says, oh yeah, your testosterone decreases, that doesn't explain anything. Okay, so your testosterone decreases, what happens? What happens to that testosterone? Why would that have any impact on your sex drive? So the thing is that testosterone then, uh, when you have lower amounts of testosterone or lower amounts of free testosterone, as I've spoken on before, that means that you have less circulating in your bloodstream. And it so happens that testosterone can actually have an effect on our brain, which probably isn't too uh, surprising, and our nervous system to a point that it allows for the excitation of these neurons that would be excited in a high libido state. Uh, so sexual arousal happens with this binding of testosterone. And actually beyond that, it also binds uh, the, the sex organs themselves and allows them to function correctly, leading to, uh, for example, greater levels of nitric oxide release, so allowing more blood flow into that area. So 
testosterone certainly has an impact and estrogen is also implicated in this as well. It's actually a bit of the ratio between testosterone and estrogen. So if you see decreases in testosterone or increases in estrogen, that throws off the, the ratio between testosterone and estrogen, leading to a, a, a less than favorable situation. So that then leads to lower excitation of those neurons and lower excitation of our sex drive, of our uh, sexual function. But that's actually not the only thing that happens. So that is a leptin-specific situation, and actually leptin can also bypass the hypothalamus, and this is something that I learned, uh, that uh, leptin can bypass the hypothalamus and bind the pituitary itself, and I'll get back to that in just a second. So another hormone that is releases cortisol. And while I, I thought almost clearly, yes, of course, cortisol will increase, it, it seems that that may not be entirely true. So you could see increases in cortisol, cortisol being that stress hormone that a lot of people just attribute, oh, cortisol, stress hormone. No, cortisol does a lot more than just being a, a, a signal for stress. Uh, it's, but it, it does seem to bind uh, the pituitary gland and it uh, decreases the effect of the gonadotropin releasing hormone, GRH, that I was talking about when it was released from the hypothalamus when leptin bound. So cortisol can bind this pituitary gland and decrease the sensitivity of the pituitary gland to the, the GRH hormone, or GR hormone, I should say, gonadotropin releasing, and then hormone. So in that way, cortisol can have an impact. But it's not so much necessarily that there's an increase in cortisol specifically, but there's an increase in the free or available, bioavailable cortisol. So that increases, that can increase at least. You get a greater proportion of free cortisol, which is then able to be bioactive and can actually act on varieties of different tissues. So that may increase. And leptin can uh, can also have an impact independent of, of the hypothalamus. Uh, I believe I read somewhere, don't quote me on this because I don't have my notes in front of me, but I believe uh, leptin can also bind the pituitary gland and lead to the uh, release of this luteinizing hormone that I mentioned earlier, which then goes to the sex tissues. And the final thing that I wanted to quick mention is that testosterone, androgens, uh, and estrogen aren't actually only produced by the sex tissue. So they're not just made by the ovaries and they're not just made by the testes, but they're also produced by our nervous system, which is a really cool process. I had no idea that this happened, that these, these sex hormones are, can be produced by the nervous system. And, and, and beyond that, it's not, it's not in just an endocrine fashion endocrine meaning that you have this release and then it goes to a whole nother section of the body. So it's kind of a, a far away mechanism of communication. Then you have uh, something like a, a paracrine, which is uh, far closer. So kind of uh, closely tied tissues, tissues that are right next to each other might have a paracrine action. 
and then you have an autocrine where a tissue will essentially uh, release a hormone and act on the exact same tissue. And then finally, there's this one that I, I discovered known as an intracrine action where a hormone will be produced by the nervous system but will not be released but will stay in the cell into the in the neuron and will then feed back back onto the genes and act as its own transcription factor meaning that that hormone will then bind the genes and express or excite the neuron in the appropriate way to increase libido so I mean, just really, really cool stuff. You can you can clearly tell that the physiology behind this is is pretty complex. And again, just piecing all this together took a long time. I'm talking four months or so of work just reading uh, papers and then and then writing this short article uh, and and sh recording the video and whatnot. Uh, the video and the 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 article were were relatively okay it's just uh, it's just the research that goes behind it because again it's easy when you have a paper that says hey uh leptin's impact on sex hormones like it's not that simple sometimes you have to you have to really dig in uh deep and figure out and sometimes and some of this stuff is certainly just based off of uh, what researchers have said or maybe have speculated and then later on research has come out to to prove that it ends up being true. So uh, really fascinating though. And it's cool. I mean, you end up feeling like you're a detective. You're like investigating uh, a new frontier, trying to piece together information from potentially, you know, 20 or 30 different laboratories and their research and their data that they've collected. So really cool. Hopefully you get some sort of appreciation for this. And I hope that you learned something from this because I learned a tremendous amount. And I'm certainly thankful for that, uh, just to have the ability to, to, to go through that process. Okay, well, with that said, I wish you a wonderful, wonderful Tuesday. And uh, certainly check out the video if you want to know, if you want to see graphics and stuff of all this, you know, happening. And if you want, of course, a more concise version than what I explained here. And uh, with that said, I hope you have a wonderful day. Have a good one. Thanks for stopping by. See ya.